Hey guys, this is Adam, and you are listening to the Dollar Bin recording of the SC Comic Con 2015 panel discussion with Alan Bellman. Hey, thanks for everybody for coming out. Um, this is exciting. So, as you guys know, this is Alan Bellman. Uh, my name is Alan Bellman, and I'm an alcohol. Oh, wrong meeting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only addicted to nice people I like to introduce before I go any further. My wife, Roz. And I have here a friend who I work with in the art department of the Sun Sentinel 25 years ago. And it was a great surprise when he looked me up. He was a young kid. Unmarried, he played baseball and fought with the umpires. They kicked him out 20 times. Let me introduce to a good friend, David Sweeney. Stand up, please, and say hello. (laughs) And his son, Brian. I can't believe this guy's grown up like that. They look like brothers, but... He was a young kid with talent, and I'm sorry, I have to pay him that homage because he is good. And he kept up a friendship, even though we have not seen each other for 25 years. Uh, he, made, he looked me up, so thank you, David and Brian. Who? Oh, <laughs> you know, I've been so busy at my table, I'm, I'm, I'm dizzy. <laughs> And a friend and good neighbor, formerly a neighbor, Betty Hulsberg, Professor Betty Hulsberg. Will you please stand up, Betty? Who took also a long trip from Augusta, Georgia. And her grandson, Paul. Behave yourself, Paul. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming to SC Comic Con this year. This This means a lot to us. You don't know what it means to me. You guys are my lifeline, all of the, everybody here. I, you keep me out of the rocking chair. <laughs> Believe me, you know, I never thought that I'd reach a, the age of 90, and my wife, who was, I, without her, I couldn't do it, and I found myself with, I got additional help, and they are also coming in handy. I'm so busy here, and I want to thank all of you. But let me tell you a little bit about myself. I loved to draw when I was a kid. Anything left open, I drew on. My father had a bakery store, and I draw on the bags. I introduced the first commercial bag, not knowingly, but I drew on every bag, and everybody, anybody who bought something had the privilege of having my little obscure, crude little drawing. It was crude. You don't get good until you develop in everything. I remember my dad, a mild-mannered man. My mother worked with her in a bakery store. But if I ever got out of hand, my father used to chase me with his belt. And my mother, in a fine Jewish accent, would say, not in the head, Morris, not in the head. (laughs) Maybe he would have knocked some sense into me, but... (laughs) I, I used to run hide under the bed. <laughs> but I was all of 18 when I saw an ad in the New York Times. 
and uh, it said they wanted a artist to do backgrounds for Captain America. And I said to my dad, it's a holiday. It was uh, Columbus Day, 1942. He says, no, you go now. And I argued. I went back and forth. Come on in, guys. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. And uh, where was I? <laughs> yeah. And uh, he said, no, you go today. And I don't know what it was. I was only 18. My samples were crude. I went up there to make a Yeah, he won after a while. I took the train up to, uh, it was the McGraw Hill building on 34th, something and that, like that. And uh, uh, a young gentleman came out by the name of Don Rico who did the Young Allies. And he took my work in about 10 minutes. He came back. He said, you're hired. Come in Monday. Well, this is great, you know. I mean, I was in awe. I always wanted to tell a story in pictures. And here I am. They hired me. And came Monday, I walk into the office. Don Rico introduces me to the staff. Now, somehow there's an air of something going on in that office. He introduces me to Sid Shores, who took over Captain America after Simon and Kirby left for DC Comics. Behind Sid Shores was an inker, Vince Alicia, who inked Captain America. Then on the other side, he introduced me to his crew. In other words, Don Rico was kind of jealous that Sid Shores got the assignment for Captain America. But he did Young Allies, which was also a famous comic strip. And the being neutral, I had to be neutral, you know, and friends with everybody. Okay, so... Now I'm in a business, and uh, one day the editor of the movie magazine, we, we put out movie magazine, pulp magazines, we put out uh, just about everything. Martin Goodman was a publisher. The editor of the movie magazine says to me, Alan, I'm going to interview a new uh, uh, actress, uh, what do you call a young uh, what? No, 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 not a starlet, a starlet. I just want to say she's awake. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at this picture of a young, slim girl. I says, I can't go. I, I'm just a worker here. You know, I'm not a, a, a executive where I can put my jacket on and leave. And so she went on. This girl's original name was Shirley Shrift, who lived in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. Can anyone here tell me what her screen name was? Not you yet, Roz. She played in a Poseidon adventure. What's that? Shelley Winters. <laughs> she was so slim in that picture, and yet she had gained weight, in, in, you know, but she was a beautiful young lady. Well, anyway, you know, working in, in a staff was quite an adventure because the publisher, uh, he put on uh, a cocktail party because he put on a movie magazine. So who did I meet? Uh, there was a, a girl uh, in the days of Shirley Temple. What was her name? You'll have to forgive me. After 50, come in. I got to live with it. 
Well, Shirley Temple then was another actress. Jeez, I can't think of her name. Well, anyway, they introduced me to an actress called Carol Landis. She played in One Million B.C. with Victor Mature. You young guys won't know this. But she was found, committed suicide in the the apartment of, uh, oh, my goodness me, Rex Harrison. You all know Rex Harrison? Nobody knows Rex Harrison. I know My Fair Lady and many other movies, but we got a bunch of young people here. They don't know that. So, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it was nice, and uh, there were so many actresses and actors there, and, and uh, it, 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 it was just, you know, a different one. In fact, he put on a play called Love on Leave, my publisher, and the uh, first night, it was like a carnival because we all got free tickets. Hey, Joe. Hi, Joe. You know, it was, it was like a, a big party. Uh, it was about a sailor and, and, and a girl that spent the night in a hotel room and nothing happened, if you could believe that. But in a play, and because nothing happened, nothing happened to the play. <laughs> a few days it went out. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, it was an exciting life. And I, and I, I remember distinctly, you know, uh, Meeting this gentleman, do you know anyone named Mickey Spillane? Okay, Mickey Spillane was a writer. He wrote a book called I, the Jury. See, I do remember some stuff. I got to tell you, at that time, Mickey Spillane was in the Army, and I came, went into Stanley. I, I just finished. I worked on staff, and I brought in a story. And, uh, you know, finished story, gave it to Stan, and he introduced me to a GI with a crew cut haircut. I want you to, Alan, I want you to meet Mickey Spillane, Mickey Spillane, I want you to meet Alan Bellman. And uh, he gave me a script. Mickey Spillane was a writer in the Army. And the name of the story, the script that he gave me was called Jap Buster Johnson. Now, I can't say Jap Buster Johnson anymore because it's not, you know, ethical or to re- use that term now, but uh, that was the name of the script. So what do I do with the script? I went after I pencil it, I have to ink it. So I take the ink, brush in the ink, and I wipe the excess ink off on a script. If I would have saved that script, it would have been, you know, memorable. But let me go back a little bit before that to my wife. She had a radio program in Asbury Park, New Jersey. It was called Point of View. And the kids from the uh, center, the, uh, the uh, uh, community center, went to my wife and said, they want to hire a band to put on a dance. They had $200. They needed to borrow $200 more from the board. And my wife was on a board. So my wife said, well, yeah, it's a lot of money for a band. They said, yeah, we can get a band for $200, but this band for $400 will bring them in for Red Bank and all surrounding towns. So my wife got them to $200. And I was a chaperone at the dance. And, oh, oh, then they said to my wife, can you, she had a radio program there on WJLK, the voice of the Asbury Park Press. They wanted a plug, so my wife, in, you know, uh, 
asked this gentleman of the band to come down and interview him to promote the dance. Well, at the dance, I was a chaperone. I was getting the kids out of the, hey, you, out of the closet. What are you smoking, kid? Got any extra ones? <laughs> no. Well, that band was Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> and she erased the tape. <laughs> and I didn't let her back for two months. No, no. That I, we did not know. We did not know that was... How did we know he arrived? We were in London in a, in a shoddy to, a town of Blackpool, England. We are on a bus, and a young guy collecting the money, or whatever it was, and he asked us, where are we from? We said, the U.S. He says, where in the U.S.? We said, Asbury Park, New Jersey. He says, oh, Bruce Springsteen. We knew he arrived because he just put out a, 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 his uh, Asbury Park record, you know, and, uh, and had already reached Europe, and he, he was already well-known, you know. And I was going to shut him up at the... You know, he was so loud. In my house, I tell my kid, lower that radio or else. And I was going to tell him to do it, but I didn't, you know. <laughs> so my wife, you know, she, uh, why'd you erase the tape? <laughs> well, they, she reused it for the following, but we never knew. Would I know that, that Mickey Spillane someday would be his character? Mike Hammer would become a... I mean, many of you are young people who don't know this, but Mike Hammer was a very famous character. Mickey Splane, in fact, played the part of Mike Hammer in the movies. So, you know, it was quite that. So as I continued on, I went on and uh, I worked for Stan Lee, and it was, you know, whatever Stan gave me, I worked on a human torch, Submariner, War stories, cowboy stories, romance stories, whatever stand through at me, I did, you know. And But then there came a, a bad omen. There was a, a psychiatrist who wrote a book called Seduction of the Youth. His name was Frederick Wither, Wortham. Wortham. Well... He almost ruined the comic book industry. He kind of ruined it for me because there was no work to do. Stan Lee was ready to pack up and become a salesman. Really, I was floating around. Then I met Roz. I was divorced from my first wife. You know, like the world was practically coming to an end, but everything worked out. Roz and I married. I came back to the comic book industry, and like well, like I said, you know, uh, I believe in fate. And the thing is that uh, Roz, without Roz, I, 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 let me go back a few years before I was divorced. I went up, you know, they gave up the staff at uh, Marvel Comics because. Yeah, everything was going out. There was no, you know, it was too much inventory, and then this guy came along. So it went on a freelance basis. And I went up to the Associated Press. They had a syndicate, and I, there was a, and I brought my samples, and it's every comic book artist wished to do a newspaper strip. I went up to the art director, 
And he looked at my work, and as he went like this. He said, I want you to see a Mr. Wing. They sent me over a gentleman. I remember him, a small gentleman with a mustache. And he was the main guy of the Associated Press. And he liked my work. Now, this Scorchy Smith was drawn by many people. There was one artist called Bert Christman, and I admired his work. And he joined the Flying Tigers. And he was shot down twice. The second time, they killed him. They, as he was parachuting, they strifed him then. So anyway, I go and, wow, all he wants to see is five strips, not even a Sunday page. Now, I'm in a marriage that's my first marriage that's like hell on high water. I got married, I was 20. I should have been playing ball with the rest of the kids. But, you know, you get a taste of this, you get a taste of honey, and... (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, I went home, and it dawned on me, I had nobody, no one to work with on this. I had no more the vitality and the ambition... And, you know, when you get divorced, it's kind of your family says goodbye. You know, I mean, they just kind of drift away. You're on your own. And I had nobody to really talk to. If I was married to Roz at the time, which would have been impossible because she's 10 years younger than I am, I would have someone to talk to. We would talk about the story, about the script and my in, my my errors in english <laughs> so uh but it wasn't meant to be but i knew i had the gratification of knowing that my work was accepted by one of the greatest syndicates the associated press so i went on my merry way and never went back again but you know life has its ways of kind of i believe in fate And when I met Roz, we married. I was doing some freelance, and finally we moved to Florida, and I got a call from a dentist in New York who's a comic book historian, and uh, he said he's been looking for me, and how much is it, about 20-some years ago? In, In 1998, this man brought me back to comics, And every Christmas, he receives a gift from me until the day I leave this world. His name is Michael Vassallo. He's a dentist of the stars in New York. And he really brought me back to to where I am today, which I'm very grateful. I've got a great crowd in here. So I've given you the gist of my life, my story. And if there's any questions here, I would appreciate it. You you covered on most of the questions I was going to ask you. Oh, um, gee, I beg your pardon. That's okay. You've done this before, I'm sure. I'm, I'm happy for that. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. No, that's, yeah, I was going to talk a lot about how you got into things, and you kind of just jumped in. You know, I was in Asbury Park, New Jersey at a convention, and it was an open convention like this, and uh, I didn't know that it was a reporter from the uh, 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 the. Uh, the Wall Street Journal. Hey, I, this is a 
price you pay for getting old, you forget. And they, I was asked a question, do you still have the first copy of Superman? I said, would I be sitting here if I had it? <laughs> and he wrote about it. That's better than the New York Times. He wrote it. He got a nice little write-up in the, in the Wall Street Journal. Boy, thank God for her. She's 10 years younger. <laughs> That's my remembering machine. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Well, no, I, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm in the process right now of reading um, Joe Simon's biography that he did. And he talks a lot about how he jumped from newspaper to newspaper before he got into comics. And it sounds like you jumped right into comics. You didn't have to go through all the hoops. Well, let me tell you something about Joe Simon. (laughs) (laughs) I met Joe Simon at a Comic-Con in 207 when poor man is gone now. And I said, Joe, I didn't never met Jack Kirby. Never met Jack Kirby. And I said, Joe, thank you. And he said, for what, Alan? He says, when you and, and, and Kirby left Marvel Comics, you left an opening for me. And he left, you know. <laughs> but the greatest compliment an artist can get is from another artist. And Joe Simon has told another third party that he liked my work. So, you know, what else, what else can you, you know... And uh, it, it's just great, and too bad he's left us. In fact, we lost another artist called Erwin Hazen, who did a comic strip called Dandy many years ago and also was a comic strip artist. We're leaving one by one, and I'm kind of grateful, and I feel blessed, and as long as I can, I'm going to draw, because without you guys... I don't know what I would do, really, because drawing to me is my motivation in life and my wife, my children, my grandchildren. and all. Any more questions, please? Oh. <laughs> I've, I've, met, I've met Irwin a few times, and he's a real nice guy. I've met Irwin, I've met Joe, and now I've got, I had a chance to sit here and meet you, and this is a great, you know. He was a little scrappy. Guy, oh, he but, was. Yeah, but he was a gentleman. Such a nice guy. And dressed nicely. Yes. Oh, yes, <laughs> dapper. So dapper. Um, and he also created Wildcat, I believe. He's, he created the character Wildcat. I don't read comic books. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you guys have questions? I can, I can, uh, I'm going to walk around. Let's see what we can find. Did you have to remind me? <laughs> I did buy the first copy of Superman. I was in junior high school, William J. Junior High School in Brooklyn, and had a thin dime in my pocket. My parents were in business, so I was going to, for a dime, what can you eat but two candy bars? So I go into the local candy store. I was going to go home and eat. I had a dime. I was going to buy Hershey bars. Yay big for nickel. Really. And I was going to buy two of them. And I saw this comic book, Action Comics, and a guy in blue underwear holding up a car. <laughs> and I did buy the magazine. But we don't know. When when I worked on staff, every time a comic book came out, they gave it to us. If it didn't have my work in it, I threw it away. <laughs> my kids were too young. I didn't know I was... I could have owned this place here. <laughs> <laughs> when you were doing the backgrounds, when you were doing a lot of the art, I, one of the things I read is so many creators were working on numerous books for numerous publishers, and they were moonlighting and all that stuff, and so many people were using pen names 
did you were you a, just a marvel like uh, was it marvel at the time or was it timely it called timely comics yeah so were you a you were a timely staff member and you only worked on the timely comics at the time or did you yeah no some? i didn't I, I was glad that i had a job i i got married early you know and you, you know i wasn't looking i have not yet developed as an artist to be mm-hmm. honest where I can go, but I've worked for other companies before. I mean, a little later on. Yeah. Oh, let uh, me add something. <laughs> yes. So I mentioned Bert Christman, who I admired for his drawing, and I could have taken over something that he was doing. We were in China, and I hit, and we were in a museum. What was the name? The uh, Stillwell General Stillwell Museum in in China. And they had a it's a sort of flying tigers museum, and his name was on the wall, Bert Christman. He could have had such a wonderful career, you know, in art, and and he gave it up to fight to fight the Japanese, you know. So you said you you started out you were drawing on bags for your dad, and not for my dad, for just myself. for fun, for fun, yeah, yeah. And then from there you were drawing comics. Did so you just teach yourself how to draw? Well, actually, my work was crude because I looked at work by Jack Kirby when he was young, and it was crude. We don't start up unless we're so gifted that our work as as a young kid sitting down, six years old, playing Tchaikovsky, uh, uh, you know, uh, that's what you call genius. But I developed working, I've done so many pieces of art that you generally have to get better. And I'm drawing now the best as I ever did in my whole life. And I'm really a happy camper. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to get wishy-washy. But I'm not a religious person. But uh, I believe because... This here right now to me is a, a blessed thing from God, I mean. Uh, having fans all over the world, being known, being asked to do different conventions, and having people like Dave here, who I work with, I'm not kidding. He could have disappeared and said, but we were friends, I recognize his talent. And I told him he was too good to work there. Really. And he's a professional now. He's still in the business. But he was a young man, and uh, and I was the old guy, I guess, and thought a bunch of creepy little girls working there. Oh, they were vicious. <laughs> but you could believe in karma. Well, let me see what what I, he, I know. There's a few uh, questions. Let me let me go. Wait a minute! I got a troublemaker here. My wife. <laughs> What there? You want to come over here? You want to? You, uh oh. <laughs> okay. I just want to say this. Um, when we met, Alan was not drawing at all, at all. A uh, couple of freelance, and he never told you that he hated to do horses, which he did rather well. Uh, he hated to do the feet, but he used to put all the grass and the sand and everything else just to hide the feet of the horses because they are very difficult to draw. But in New York City, being a big city, and I know all the big cities and even small ones today have specialty 
high schools and specialty colleges. Alan never tells anybody this. However, he had to have had a portfolio in grammar school because in grammar school and in junior high, somewhere somebody had to recognize a talent because the High School of Industrial Arts in New York City, now called the High School of Art and Design, accepted him into the school. You needed a portfolio. He doesn't even know where it is, what happened to it, what was in it. But in order to get... I'm glad I found myself. (laughs) But in order to go into these schools, somebody recognized something at the time. I might add, Tony Bennett went to that school. Excuse me, dear. Okay. And we went to see Tony Bennett uh, last year at the Broward Arts Center in Florida. And I had a magazine of a story about me and put an envelope and wrote a note. Hey, Tony, my wife and I are celebrating, have celebrated our 50th anniversary. Uh, we went to the same school, School of Industrial Art. And sure enough, a guy in the lobby looked important. And says, can you get this over to Tony Bennett? You, let me tell you, this is true. You could do anything, anything you want to do. He said, yeah, but I... I I asked him to sing because of you. Well, during his performance, he says, this Alan Bellman has asked me to sing, you know, uh, celebrating his 50th anniversary, and we did go to the same school, but he didn't sing because of you. I guess it was not in the repertoire for that night, you know. But he announced it from the stage. I mean, this guy's famous. And, and, and... What can I say, you know? So is there anything you want to do in this country, as bad as it is now, (laughs) uh, it can be done if you have the will and the way. And I never thought he would even say anything, you know, but he did. He did recognize I wrote it on, on, on an envelope, just a few words, not too much. And he did announce it, but uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. You always do that to me. <laughs> See, I think there was a question. Yeah, there's a question back here. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear? I can hear and see you. Okay. I was just wondering how, um, I guess, like, during the war and then after, like, do you feel like the, the tone of the comics, especially books like Captain America, do you feel like it, it changed during that time? Or do you feel like it kind of stayed consistent? Well, the villains were Adolf Hitler, Tojo, mostly. See, we had a common enemy. We had the Red Skull, which still survives. In fact, let me tell you about the Red Skull. We were invited to see the movie, The First Avenger in L.A., and we had the privilege of meeting the... uh, the producer and president of Marvel Comics, Kevin Feige. And I said, sir, it's not for me to how to tell you how to run your business, but that Red Skull was awful nice looking, nice, beautiful set of teeth. I draw him crooked teeth and sockets and little balls for eyes, and <laughs> he didn't say anything. <laughs> 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 
But, you know, if you've got to say something and it's nice and it won't offend, say it. But I said, in fact, let me go back. I do work for Dan Marino. Uh, Dan Marino has the Dan Marino Foundation. I have an a autistic grandson, and he has an autistic son. And every year at Sun Life Stadium, uh, I go and sign comic books and raise money for the Dan Marino Foundation. This year, after, you know, I got through selling or signing the books, not selling because we donate every penny to, I look, I met Dan Marino for a second time, although we met at walkathons before. I said, Dan, and I looked him straight in the eye, although I had to look up, he was giant. I want to ask you a personal question. And he looked at me because he had a paternity suit sometime. <laughs> I says, Dan, did you really lose 22 pounds on a neutral system? <laughs> God's my witness. <laughs> he said, no, Alan. He says, that was 25 pounds. <laughs> that was his answer, and he walked away. <laughs> Any more questions? What happened to your parents' break bakery? I lost my mom. She was 20. I mean, I was 20. Uh, my dad, I... You know, that's a good question. He may have sold the business, and he went to live in a town called Lakewood, New Jersey, with uh, family living. Very independent, he opened up a little store, not a bakery store. So he never looked at another woman. He couldn't, you know, and he was a very honest man, you know. When he had the bakery store, say, uh, Silver Cup Bread or Wonder Bread came in, if they... Uh, gave him too much money, he'd give it back. You know, he was a man of honor, quiet. But boy, he used to run after me, though, I tell you. <laughs> With a belt. <laughs> so, you know, no, no, no. He, he sold the store, and, and, and he, he passed away years later, about 10 years after Mom passed away. And, you know, I owe everything to him that... Uh, he pushed me for the job. I wouldn't know where I'd be right now if I'd be anywhere. So to my dad, you know, I mean, he he pushed me. I was not going to go. If I went the next day, that job would have been taken. So, you know, it's, as far as memory, that goes with the territory. That don't bother me. As long as I know where I live, my address, my children, I feel all right. So what do you do nowadays to keep yourself busy? Or argue with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I draw for the fans. I do take commissions. In fact, I got a lot of work. When I get back home, I'm not even pushing commissions now here. I got prints. I do prints. I don't cream the people. I don't uh, squeeze them for money. I keep it down. For instance, my cheapest... Uh, Print is fifteen dollars, and we always have trouble change. We need we can never have enough five dollar bills <laughs> to change as much. So someone suggests, well, why don't you get twenty dollars for the fifteen dollar print? And I say this from my heart and good conscience. I couldn't do it. I don't. I won't do it. Just as a resolve the problem. I'm I'm doing good now. What do I? I greed is not my name, and. What can I say? I speak from my heart. I know you guys keep me 
you're my bloodline. I, I, I work, I draw all the time. I keep busy, commissions, draws. If I sold out all my originals, I had, didn't have many, but I brought some and they went right away. I don't, in other words, we have these young kids, they're good, they're good artists, but they charge for signatures and then for the artwork, and I don't do that. I'm happy the way I am, you know, and what can I say, you know? Any more questions before I start crying? <laughs> oh, so they're, they're popping up everywhere. And like, a, I will get I'll, you after. They're, they're. <laughs> yeah, so you said you worked for uh, Stan Lee, you worked directly with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. What was that like? No, well, Stan was, was a pretty nice guy. He treated everybody well. Uh, it, it uh, you know... He was yay high when he came back out of the army, and I was that big. He's a year and a half older than I am. He's still going strong, and uh, he was pretty good to everybody, you know. And He was just, you know, what else can I say? He made Marvel Comics what it is. Do you talk with Stan Lee still? Do you do conventions with him? Well, we email once in a while, and when we cross... At conventions, I go up and see him. They they have to usher me to him. He has a, a line around the round. <laughs> I'm the, okay, the man deserves it, you know, and I always tip my hat to artists that are generally, like many of you know the name Jim Steranko. Jim Steranko is like a brother to me. I met him in Indiana last week. I, a week later, I'm here, you know. And we embraced like brothers. But I was another convention, and Kit came over to me and said, he saw Jim Steranko, and he went over to Jim and said, gee, you're a great artist. And Jim Steranko said, you should go see Alan Bellman. And when one artist does that to another artist, that's great. A lot of guys shine me. Why, I don't know. I mean, I reach out to them, but, you know, look, we all have different personalities, different... Makeup and what can I say? Any more questions? Yeah, there's one more, and then I'm gonna I'll let you go back to your table. And everybody, if you have any other questions, uh, he'll be at his table, and we can we can talk there. Hi, it's an honor to be talking with you. Uh, no, the honor and pleasure is mine. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you commented earlier a bit on uh, things about like Captain America that bother you, like the Red Skull. Are there any things in general about comic books about the way they are today that bother you, as opposed to how they were when you were kind of drawing them? Look. Let me put, answer you, it's to my benefit that they change because people like the old Captain America, I draw the old Captain America, the old skull, and that's why I am here. The new stuff is tremendous. They, you say computers, someone still has to draw it. But I'm here because they, again, I repeat, they like the old style of Captain America. I draw them the way I remember I was drawing them, and that's it. So as they go now, it's all money. Disney bought Marvel, and things have changed a lot at Marvel since then. They're successful, but not f- artist-friendly. Okay, I want to thank everybody. <laughs> I, I just I just want to leave you with this. You know, we got a... I never seen my country like this before. In all the years I voted, I'm not getting political with anybody. But uh, 
I never was so concerned for my country, for my children, your children, and this, and this country and the world. But I'm going to say, let's try to be nice to one another. We can't be everyone's friend, but let's try. God bless you all. Thank you, Alan. Could I go home now? <laughs>